0: Alright, so we are, uh, we are here again. Uh, if you hear desperate panting and whining in the background, I assure you I have not kidnapped anyone, it's just my dog. Say hello, Ash. He can't talk. Uh, <laughs> I've got, uh, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a new guest host here with me this week. Uh, got my buddy Lee, his song here. Uh, say hi, Lee. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty alright. Uh... So uh my, my buddy Lee, he's uh he's 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 an interesting interesting dude. He's got a he's got an unusual background. Um not he's o- he's not only a, a history buff, but but uh he, he got a degree about it. And uh he does he does a lot of really cool stuff uh with, uh with with leather and so on.
1: Mind mind sharing a little bit about that with us? Okay, well um I am the uh owner and uh manager of Rain Specter Crafts. It's a uh, leather working business that that I started that is pretty much just me and my wife. And we do all sorts of stuff, uh, pretty much all of it, of a medieval or medieval fantasy nature. Basically, geeky aesthetics. That's
0: what what we uh,
1: capitalize on.
0: uh, I've partaken of of some of your goods uh, over the course of the years. I've got one of your Legend of Zelda Triforce coasters uh, on my desk in the other room. I've I've loved it. Um, I've got uh, you. You made me a couple of live patches that have been that have been pretty cool. So definitely, definitely a lot of re- good quality coming out of coming out of these folks. So no, thank you. There's going to be a link in the description to their store. So uh, check them out. And I think there's also was the 22nd. There's a, a Renaissance Fair coming up. Yes,
1: uh, Saturday, April 22nd. Um, one of the galleries on Main Street is hosting a Renaissance Fair. And uh, several of the local businesses are involved. Uh, I believe the library's involved. And uh, the library has some activities planned. The gallery has, uh, I believe, uh, a, like a mini costumed parade planned, costume contests. I heard something about stocks. Um, oh. And I think a couple of food vendors out there and then crafting vendors. And So it should be a pretty fun time.
0: Nice, nice. I, uh, and this is, this is in Batesville. Batesville, Arkansas, for, the, for for those random Canadians listening. I'm sorry, you probably can't attend. Uh, <laughs> that would be well worth it. Yeah, no, we'd love to have you, though. So, now, you guys, um, you're setting up as a vendor, though, correct?
1: Partially. Uh, we will be set up as a vendor, mm-hmm.
0: but I've also been asked by one
1: of the event planners to also armor up and basically be mobile decoration. Okay, that's, and, that's what
0: I was wondering, if there's yeah. going to be any you were going to be doing any demonstrations or anything right lee's also uh, been in the past a part of uh, a group called the sca they do a lot of stuff but the the thing that i have partaken in along with lee um has been the uh the sword fighting workshops and uh lee's since there's no longer video here on the show (laughs) uh you can't see lee's got a good i don't know four four or so inches on me and uh, he's not even he's not even one of the, the taller people. <laughs> no, <laughs> not even close. Uh, so seeing seeing some of these dudes in like full legit armor, you know, coming at you to, to beat the living daylights out of you is uh, that's an interesting feeling. It's it's also quite fun as a smaller person to try to fit into some of the loner gear.
1: Uh, oh yeah, that is always a, a an adventure. Yep,
0: you know, Lee's uh, like Lee's chest armor usually fits me pretty well. We can snug it down, but we got a duct tape leg armor on. It's, it's, it's kind of funny, <laughs> but, uh, no, it good, good times. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like shooting a major, like fantasy motion picture. Mm-hmm. I feel like that feels like you're just at a really fancy, like renaissance event.
1: I would imagine so. Uh, I would love the opportunity to do that at some point, because the atmosphere and ambience would be amazing.
0: So, I, I'm sure... Now, I know I know you've seen, like, The Lord of the Rings, the villains, right. and everything. Yeah. I'm sure most of you have, too, if you haven't, shame on you. Like, just shame. Uh, go do it. But, uh, you know, some of the actors talking about preparing for the uh, the fight scenes, you know, and they were, they were practicing with like the, you know, the actual weighted swords and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. You know, that's that has gotta be such a cool feeling to have something like to be practicing in full, get, like full armor with so many people.
1: Right. And having the full weighted swords too. I mean that you can't really get a good feel, you know, when you're doing uh, the choreography for an action scene, for a fighting scene, you need that, that tactile feedback of having something that's weighty and that feels Real in some form or fashion, just mm-hmm. kind of get you in the zone to uh, get ready for the scene.
0: Yeah, the uh, I've read the, the dude who played Gimli, I forget his name, um, but he uh, he he wasn't big on like rehearsing choreography. I've heard that. Uh, so he would uh, he would just like ask the the stunt doubles, like the 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 you know the people who were coming at him. He'd, he'd ask him which one of you is coming at me first, <laughs> and then he just he just go like he just start swinging oh
1: i can i can definitely see him doing that (laughs) and uh
0: their their stance on it was apparently we're we're armored we're tough guys but try not to hit us he apparently hit them all (laughs) uh so one is going to do yeah so some of some of those some of those um those knee-jerk reactions from the orcs uh might have been real (laughs) i just hope not the groin shot uh in the in, in, in the twin towers or the two towers I'm not sure I want to know the truth of that one. Right, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, now, so, Ramon, you you said you had read
1: one of the books? I believe I read um, Return of the King uh, probably when I was in my uh, early to mid-teenage years. Okay. Okay. I, I haven't <clears throat> really had much of an opportunity to do a whole lot of reading I do have uh the hobbit mm-hmm. and have started it um, but work and other stuff you know adult life sometimes slows you down and you're reading projects
0: uh, man i yeah I feel that uh i've got I've actually got a, a couple of the newer middle earth releases on oh. the shelf in there that like I've cracked them open I've looked at them yeah uh that's about it. <laughs> Um I'm 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 ashamed to say that I uh I have a lot of books that I haven't I just haven't read. I've I've been working on Aragon for the last six months. Oh yeah. So um but uh yeah. What um do you do you remember do you do you remember any of the book?
1: Um bits and pieces, uh to be honest. Uh especially during that point in my life I was a lot more Uh, visual Mm -hmm. and the stuff that that I would take in and that I would remember. And so I remember the movies, but especially that old 1970s uh, Rankin and Bass uh, animation of The Hobbit. That stuck with me and that's actually, that was my first uh, exposure to um, Tolkien's work in any shape or form. And so that's what prompted me to pick up the book and attempt to read it when I was a teenager. And I enjoyed it. Uh, It was definitely a good book, but I think, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. I I think I wasn't quite ready for um, the massive undertaking that that was uh, at that point in time in my life. But I've
0: always wanted (laughs) to go back. Well, and, you know, a lot of people aren't ready for, for it. The movies were very much a, they were a fantasy epic, but they were very action oriented. Yeah. And the uh, the books are a lot more weighty. Like there's a lot more of the mundane, quote unquote, detail. I guess um, it's just a lot more to chew through. So most, and I so and I think most people rank the the especially the original trilogy, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, up there pretty high as far as you know good movies like like triumphs of of fantasy. Um, but uh, Tolkien's son, Christopher, he actually didn't like him. Mm. Uh, he, he said he didn't think his dad would have liked him. Um, yeah. yeah, he, uh, he said that, um, they were very much not in the spirit of what, uh, what his dad had wanted to create, which was <laughs> a much slower pace. Like it, his, his, his critique was they were action flicks and they were not the, they were not true. Like paced fantasy epics.
1: Well, that does make sense with the way that the book, the one book that I read was paced. That, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And the, the The first two are paced exactly the same. Gotcha. Uh, the The Hobbit the Hobbit has a, a, a different feel to oh, yeah. it, uh, but uh, it was also the audience wasn't quite like the target audience wasn't quite mm-hmm. the same. But uh, but yeah, the the pacing is very different. Um, so having having seen the, the the movies, both both the LOTR and Hobbit trilogies. And uh, th- I think you had said you've seen the Rings of Power. I have. Um, the uh, the The pacing is very different. Oh yes, very different. Uh, um, I uh, you know love uh, love or hate the Rings of Power. Uh, I think, honestly, I, I I think that's probably closer to what uh what Tolkien wanted to convey mm. uh, as far as pacing goes. Mm. I uh I, I don't put my seal of approval on the Rings of Power, uh generally speaking. But, <laughs> but But that's also a good thing though. I mean
1: you're you're mentioning the good things about it. I mean it's not all bad or all good. I mean I know it gets a lot of hate, and frankly, I'm not a big fan of Rings of Power myself. But it does have some some good moments to it. It does have some good qualities to it.
0: Absolutely. Like I I wanted to like it so bad. And Same. at some points I was like they They really knocked this particular moment or whatever out of the park, right. And how how could they have done so good here and then, as a whole, created such a travesty? <laughs> <laughs> like i I know every 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 fandom nerd on the internet has an opinion about adaptations. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, and most of them are very strong, <laughs> one way or another uh love 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 the adaptation hate the adaptation they're very strong um but i think i think that for an adaptation to be considered a successful adaptation i think that it has to pass the very basic test where you should be able to take the finished product change all the names and then give it to somebody who's familiar with the source material and they should be able to identify it as the same property in order to pass that test Something actually from the source material has to be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can see that being a problem with the Rings of Power, um, very, very heavily.
0: Um, I, I mean, there's virtually every moment in the Rings of Power, like, like, I I know that an inferred lore where you kind of create stories between the the previously written lines is a thing, but everything in the Rings of Power is a fabrication. Yes. Um... (laughs) <laughs> and and some of it's a very good fabrication the 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 storyline with um with Gandalf and the Harfoots um that's not that's not previously established lore but that was really well done I enjoyed it you know they pulled out some they pulled out some really cool details uh like the uh, the ride of Sigi Tarag mm-hmm. um the ride itself doesn't exist but Sigi Tarag is a very very obscure way of saying longbeards. Mm that they must have they got some intern to spend two hundred <laughs> hours reading appendices and he just snatched it out of there and was like this. Like it was just a cool detail. Uh but, you know, which and and like I said, most people will say that the, the especially the original trilogy were triumphs. And I agree. Uh but they weren't perfect adaptations. No, they weren't. Um especially not outside of the uh some of the extended cut uh Mm -hmm. material i remember the dual vhs copy of the two towers that uh, i had back in the day i had that as well yeah (laughs) you know there was no forest of trees waiting to murder the orcs outside of helms deep (laughs) in that cut Mm -hmm. that didn't happen it it occurred in the story you know it it, it, like something very similar at least happened in the books the the forest got angry and it got its revenge in the extended edition that is present (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, Saruman did not fall off of Orthanc, Orthanc, however you pronounce it, and meet his doom. Uh, that, that didn't, that didn't occur. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that just were changed for this or for that reason. Legolas didn't surf down a shield on <laughs> Yeah,
1: stuff like that was, I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship with some of those things, because it, it's cool, it's spectacle, but at the same I'm... time, there's a little bit of, um, Eye uh, rolling
0: there, and if it's
1: overdone, then it pulls you right out of the the
0: setting. yeah the uh, the the surfboard scene down the stairs at Helms Deep was was one of those moments for me. I was like, that's cool. I was like, that's not practical. <laughs> that's not a great war move. Uh, one thing that didn't make it and, and this this was something that was covered uh, in pretty good detail in the the Return of the King book that really didn't get touched on in the movies was uh, Aragorn's lineage as a healer mm-hmm. um, and like his full, his full range of, of, of abilities. Um, and that was, which don't get me wrong. He got plenty of character development mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, that was it, was, it was just one of those big things that I was sad didn't make huh. it.
1: Well, I mean, and for that matter, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Aragorn, have an unusually long lifespan for a human. Uh, am I misremembering no. something? No, he,
0: he does. So, in during the period of The Lord of the Rings, uh, he is actually 80 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. And you'd never know that watching mm-hmm. the movies, like,
0: no. at all. But, and it's not just that they cast an actor who was too young to be uh, the correct age. Uh, he actually looked like, you know, a young guy uh, in, in the stories. So, he's... Um, so, so ages passed the there was so Elrond and his brother Elrond is of course Elrond the Elrond half Elvin. um he had a, he had a brother uh who uh I forget his name uh but he basically eventually the two of them were given a choice claim one you you can't claim claim one of your heritages either claim your humanity or claim claim elven Mm-hmm. And Elrond chose to, to, to become an elf. And his brother became mortal. But he still had, because of his elven ancestry, he still lived a great deal longer uh, than, mm-hmm. than most humans. That think. makes sense. Uh, and was essentially the founder of the human kingdom of Numenor. Uh, and so all the Numenorean kings, the, the royal line lived a great deal longer uh than most humans uh just kind of by this virtue so uh eventually toward the end of the empire you know they they especially Farazan, um he got real obsessed with living forever like they were really tried to milk every day they could get out of their lifespan and i forget uh i want to say i want to say 400 and something uh, was like the longest, uh, yeah. but I, I, I could I, honestly, I could be inventing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, and, but its lore like
1: that that uh, would have enriched the adaptation that is the Lord of uh, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. Absolutely, because you have no sense of that. I mean, and I remember when I was watching it, um, the the lore behind uh, Arwen's uh, decisions mm-hmm. and um, her interaction with Aragorn. I mean, sure, it was kind of generically, you know, romantic medieval fantasy, but you don't get the full weight of what she is choosing to do for Aragorn. You don't get the full weight, really, without some knowledge of the lore behind the story. Because, um, I mean, watching it, yeah, I'm sure, it's serious, and, and you know she's making a, a huge decision, but it wasn't until I started digging into some of the lore that it, the weight of it really impacted me and it's like okay this is this is really deep
0: yeah and so in the in the movies you know Aragorn is kind of portrayed as this as being very reluctant to embrace his sort of uh, I don't I don't want to say destiny but but the his birthright uh, as King mm-hmm. uh, that's not that's not really that's not really it's not really so uh, in in the books he's um, He's very. He's still very aware of it. It's not necessarily something that he's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to be king, uh, but it's um, you know he knows that's what he's going to have to do eventually,
1: yeah,
0: uh, and that's that's basically his what he's meant to meant to do, and you know instead of um, instead of Elrond having Narsil reforged and bringing it to him at the mountain, Aragorn actually like has it reforged himself, mm. um, and there's so. And this, Scene at Helm's Deep where Aragorn tosses Gimli onto the to yes. onto the bridge. Yes, um, There's actually a uh, an extra bit there where Aragorn actually invokes some magic out of the sword, and it's kind of like Gandalf's like <laughs> lightning smack. Are you talking about in the book? Yes, okay. yes. Best, best I remember. Um, so yeah, and that once again that didn't make it. It was still a fantastic scene. I. I, I I love the way that it turned out, um, but once again, not not that perfect one for one adaptation. Well, and, and
1: for that matter too, I don't I don't believe they actually recorded this even. I, I don't think this shows up. But like the whole scouring of the shire, um, mm. I mean, is that um you know, shown at all in some of the uh, extra footage? Deleted. Uh, the, I mean, to my
0: knowledge, the only place that the scouring of the Shire is portrayed is in Galadriel's mirror. Hmm. As a brief, uh, you know, what if. Uh, but
1: but that's just it. It's shown as a what if. You don't have that, um, almost that epilogue to the main story that hmm. you've got in the book with having the scouring of the Shire.
0: Yeah, and for anybody who has not read the book, uh, Frodo did, did not come home to... You know, Happy Shire, homecoming. Instead of falling off of the tower and dying, Saruman survived and uh, had actually invaded the Shire. Uh, by the time Frodo returned, and it was very much like what was pictured in Galadriel's mirror—you know, it, fire and destruction and slavery and so on. Um, and so, there's actually a there's actually a whole portion of the book where they have to liberate, uh, you know, the the Shire folk. It's it's not. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strong, like we said, epilogue to the story that you don't get in the movie. Um, it's just never shown. Which is
1: sad because that really hammers home uh, in multiple ways. That this big adventure, this big war that they uh, took part in, you know, it has far-reaching consequences that uh, people may not think. It's not like the story is just cleanly wrapped up. And I think um, if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Tolkien kind of drawing off of like World War Two type, um, or was it World War One?
0: Uh, I think he was in one. Yeah. Um. So he, if I remember correctly, he was asked about that in an interview one time, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't didn't discount any um influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he did say that had he drawn heavily from the war as an influence, he said the outcome, many of the outcomes would have been largely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I, I you know I think even even subconsciously I think that some of that probably made it, you know, in mm-hmm.
1: well and at the very least the fact that this big war affects the people at home. I mean that's something that It's so often glossed over, and frankly, I like themes like that. I like the darker themes. I like the um, the more serious implications of a fantasy world. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the normal, you know, medieval fantasy type thing where the story's all neatly wrapped up and it's kind of like a fairy tale, but sort of like a, a more sterile fairy tale. You know, I like those. They they have their place, but at the same time, I really like seeing the more realistic, real world implications, but in a fantasy world, mm-hmm. because you're not going to have a big conflict uh, like we saw in Lord of the Rings and not have it affect um, like the civilians in the Shire. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't want anything, any part of it, anything to do with it, but they got dragged into it anyway, and that's
0: sadly, that's life, right? And so, you know the, and it's also kind of a, a culmination of some some plot points that were kind of sewn along the way. Several of those were not necessarily shown in the movies. But, um, you know, the the Shire is generally portrayed as being largely idyllic. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's very happy, they just want to eat. And, um, but Saruman had actually been working on slowly corrupting at least parts of the Shire mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, in the Senate editions, um, after the Ents uh take isengard uh you you see merry and pippin uh like they had like find all this food and 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 pipeweed and stuff and most of if not all that came from the shire and so saruman had actually been trading with the shire for an extended period of time and had been trying to corrupt some of the the shire families with greed and causing them to the price gouge and stuff um the I always felt like this like his plan had always kind of been to just slowly take over the shire uh-huh. um and the the events the broader events just sort of caused him to escalate uh his timeline hmm. and that and the the scouring was really the the bloody uh the bloody outcome of of rapidly advancing plans uh, which is just like Tolkien played so many long games uh throughout his storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh and i i i I enjoy the culminations of those and i guess
1: in in a sense with that with that long game there's only so much you can really toss into um a a movie's length Mm -hmm. and so i I mean it's regrettable but at the same time necessary that you're going to leave a lot of stuff uh out of uh, film adaptations whereas something that's more like a a series you can kind of toss more in there and
0: right um, yeah then that's and i think that's something else that gets me about the rings of power is you guys have all the time in the world to explore all the things that happened or all the things that happened (laughs) (laughs) you just plagiarize the names (laughs) this is this oh. is like that, uh, Well, was, was it? Mario Brothers 2 that was actually a different game. They just reskin yes. the main character. Yes. Yeah. It's basically that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so, uh, I don't know, um, I don't, have you, I don't know how familiar you are with, with Dwarven lore.
1: Um, not as much as you will be, but, uh, I am somewhat familiar with it.
0: So, um, have you seen, have you seen the, um. Extended the portion of one of the extended editions, um, where like right after they get out of Moria, um, Gimli wants to go look in the pool of water in the in the in the Mirror I think I've
1: seen that once. Um, I don't have a real clear memory of it, but it, yeah, it is familiar.
0: It there there is an extended edition without it. I think um, like it's not an it's not in all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but yeah, uh, that. I was really I didn't know that scene was gonna be be there whenever I watched whatever edition it was. yeah. and I was really excited about that because um, so basically, according to the story, the the very first dwarf, the first king of the dwarves during the the first, uh, he when he was walking middle Earth by himself, he looked in this pool of water and saw these these stars appear above his head. And it's a phenomenon that basically I think anybody can see, but it, it pretty much, but it holds the most like meaning and weight for the dwarves because that's Durin's crown, and and Gimli just will not leave like orcs and got like goblins are pursuing them. There's a balrog down there somewhere. But mm-hmm. by Lordy, I'm looking at this blank. Like, <laughs> I'm looking at this little pond, uh, and there's a there's a song uh called Durin's Awakening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a, um, a, I guess it's a group, um, and I can never pronounce their name. Um, I'll, I'll try and put it in this, in the description. Um, but, uh, they, they do a very awesome epic, uh, of, of the song. And one of the things in, in, in the song is, you know, he talks about how he, he looked down into the mirror mirror and, um, uh, it, I I love that song so much. I think I know the song you're talking about, and if it's the one that I'm thinking
1: about, oh gosh, I listen to that song so often, like on the drive to work and stuff. I have it playing on my phone. I'll try to harmonize with it and uh, sing with it. I think they've got these really uh, beautiful bass and tenor Mm -hmm. voices and the, the imagery, even for someone who's not as familiar with Dwarven Lore, the imagery that the words and that the music put together is just stunning. It's like, I'm driving to work, but my mind is no longer stressed about work. I'm enjoying the, the atmosphere and the ambience and the imagery that the words and the music are, uh, you know, putting in my head.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's strong stuff. I, I, I love it. And they, uh, I believe they also have a version of the uh the song from the hobbit uh the dwarves the the dwarves saying um about uh, the coming of smog and so on uh over the misty mountains yeah uh the or yeah over the misty mountains um and it is long Mm -hmm. like it is forever like like i I have i can remember up through the first i don't know two or three verses (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then the next seven verses, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, but it's but also so very good. Um, well, and and music is such
1: a big part the not not just the music, but the the poetry uh, as well as the music is such a big part of Tolkien's works. And I remember one of the things that stuck with me so much about the old Rankin and Bass um, animated Hobbit movie was the music. Uh, you know, they had a version of. Uh, over the Missy Mountains and they also had um, was it a, The Greatest Adventure and uh, lots of different music in there that was just that it, it transports you into this other world and it it's the escapism that we so desperately
0: need sometimes in our modern lives. Yeah for sure for sure I, I I'm, I'm musically challenged I, I you know there's, there's probably a lot of nuances to, to a lot of the stuff that, that's completely lost on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I, I know enough to know that it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't checked it out, you should. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do it.
1: They also have a very long uh, Song of Arendelle um, ah, yes. thing, which is really pretty. I actually listened to that on the way over here. Oh, did you?
0: Yeah. Getting getting in the mood. Oh, yeah. Man. the uh, So... I backtracking just a bit I think that one of the few times that I like like I said I I, I watched the whole thing I didn't enjoy the rings of power right I enjoyed it but I didn't like it but the, <laughs> one of the few things that made me just absolutely just n- rage uh, so one of the one of the like cornerstones of I don't want to say dwarven lore, but at least Longbeard lore
1: uh-huh.
0: is um, Durin uh, is referred to as Durin the Deathless, uh-huh. um, and so Durin the, according to their lore, he will be reincarnated seven times, or reborn seven times, and the um, the final the the final uh, reincarnation will be the one that leads the dwarves during the ends of the end of days, basically. Uh-huh. Which, if, if anybody noticed, there's Elrond's friend Durin, and there's his father, Durin. You can't have two Durins at the same time. <laughs> That's not how reincarnation works. Uh, Grump. <laughs> oh,
1: there there's a lot of lore problems with that show.
0: Yeah. The... And, and for anybody who, who has been the entire time pointing out that my claim that n- that, n- that there were no actual events from the stories portrayed and here, anybody who's saying, but the rings were forged let me tell you about these rings <laughs> they were technically made in the wrong order <laughs> the reason they were made was incorrect the framing of the whole thing was incorrect <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> No.
1: Um, well, and for that matter, I, at, at risk of sounding uh, ignorant of the source material, I, I don't believe there was anything about uh, booby trapping a volcano to terraform a large region into. <laughs> oh,
0: oh you're making a
1: face, Billy. What?
0: There was not. <laughs> so, um, while while that was a it was an interesting idea. Yeah. I, I, you know, had it been any other region in Middle-earth, uh, I would have been really into, like, like, I don't, I don't want to say any other region, but had it been any other property, I'd been like, that's really cool. Mm. Uh, but um, Mordor um, had been a desolate land of fire long before um, this period of time, back mm-hmm. dating back to the First Age. Yeah. Um, uh, the The first Dark Lord... Um, Morgoth um, had, uh, I believe actually given um, Sauron that volcano as a home. Like Sauron mm-hmm. actually lived there uh, during the first age. So then the rings of power takes place during the second age, mm-hmm. supposedly. Um, so yeah, the the terraforming of, of, of Mordor, uh, not... Not war friendly.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it also doesn't help that one of the most iconic shots in the show of that is Galadriel just standing, standing right in the middle and getting hit by, I don't know, a pyroclastic cloud and then no injuries, you know, when it follows up. Yeah. I mean, she's just dirty. Yeah. I mean, there's plot armor and then there's. <laughs> oh,
0: good gracious. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, I don't. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like Galadriel as a character mm-hmm. in in the story. And and the Galadriel we get in the Rings of Power is a very different Galadriel uh, than what we have in um, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, I will say that three thousand years uh, does a lot to change people. <laughs>
1: that, that's fair. That that
0: is fair. Um, but. She shouldn't be standing like, mm-hmm. like she was not. She was not the the amazingly powerful witch uh, queen that we see in Lord of the Rings. Uh, she was she was just a really skilled elven warrior, mm-hmm. and uh, she definitely should not have walked away unscathed.
1: You know, and and with her characterization, i I've, I've wondered something. I mean, people criticize uh, her character uh, for being arrogant for. Um, being um, haughty for um, uh, being willing to leave some of her compatriots like in the the first part of the the show because of her obsession. Um, The thing is, is she supposed to be really likable or is she supposed to have character flaws? I mean, I can can see both sides of it to where people don't like her. But then at the same time, it's also giving her some room to have some character development. Now, Mm -hmm. sometimes she acts contradictory. Yeah. Um, she'll preach one thing, but then turn around and do another in like a scene or two later. Right. Um,
0: and and I think I think to some degree people, I mean, part of it I think is that everybody views Galadriel as the the figure from the movies, and they're like it's just kind of a, a culture shock seeing wee bab Galadriel basically. <laughs> uh, but you know arrogance arrogance is a pretty common vice of, of of elven kind even even to the to the ending of the elven of the age of elves in the third age i mean there are still a number of of elves who who are holier than thou um certainly fewer just by virtue that most of them have moved on to the undying mm-hmm. lands but you know i i don't think that they necessarily portrayed portrayed her in a way that is unfair or, or it, it, in, in a way that's not uncommon for elves um i do i do think that sorry i uh i squeezed apparently i squeezed my cat uh <laughs> in a way she didn't like uh
1: <laughs> oh that cat's been part of this podcast i mean just sitting right there in front of the mic staring at me this whole most of this time
0: yeah yeah no she she's very much an honorary co-host this time around um but uh you know Admittedly, she wasn't always like, well, she's definitely kind of got that almost petulant child attitude sometimes as far as getting what she wants, <laughs> um, but...
1: But is that necessarily, I mean, I know that it makes it hard to watch at times because it's like, okay, she's supposed to be the main character or one of the main characters, uh, and supposed to be likable, but at the same time, this is a series, so their plan, I'm sure is to have more character development right and um, you know and that's the other thing too, is you're going back to what you were saying about the original Lord of the Rings uh, movies not being perfect adaptations and having character differences, Aragorn being reluctant in the movies, but not as much in the books do we Do we get too harsh? With our uh the new adaptations, do we look unfairly at say Galadriel's characterization of Rings of Power compared to uh the Lord of the Rings movies, Galadriel do we look at her through an unfair lens um because nostalgia because that's what we're used to but then you got people who read like you who read the books and can pick out where the Peter Jackson movies weren't quite right, but we still enjoy
0: those movies, so yeah, I think, me and which and this is something that we've talked about on the show a little bit before. I, I think adaptations kind of as a whole don't get a fair shake, um, just by virtue of that's not how it was, or or this is, um, this is not how I uh, I understood the character or whatever. Um, and I'm I'm typically in the camp of I want. I want as close to the one for one, uh, re like translation as I can get, but I also recognize that no adaptation's perfect, and so I'm I'm o typically I'm okay with good enough. Uh, um. I guess I should have been filming a video for this because we would have gotten so many views off the cap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't. I don't know. I I think that I think they're going in in a, in a really. I, I honestly I, I think the way they're going with Galadriel and her character, I think it's not only viable. Uh, I think I think it's actually kind of cool because, okay. like I said, like three thousand like there's thousands of years between the events of the Rings of Power okay. and um the the time that you know she settles into um uh, Lothlorien. So, I uh, things thing, you know, there's a lot of story to tell there. There's a lot of development that can be told there. I, I
1: think you said it well when you said that you enjoyed it, but didn't like it. Yeah. I, I think I'm in much the same boat because there are a lot of criticism that I could toss at the show. And there were some things that made my eyes roll and were just really pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when season two comes out, am I going to watch it? Yeah, probably. I mean, I've seen worse.
0: There's absolutely worse out there. I I have not signed myself on for watching the second season mm. yet. Um, I did hear that that rumors, uh, maybe even maybe even some initial confirmation that uh, Orlando Bloom will be reply, reprising his uh, role as Legolas. Oh, that'd uh, be cool in uh, the second season.
1: It's uh, going weird because of how much older he's gonna look. Y- uh.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure, um, because, (laughs) here we go, Legolas definitely didn't appear (laughs) in any of the second age stories, uh, (laughs) um, he also wasn't in The Hobbit, (laughs) uh, crotchety old man voice, get off my yard, um, but, uh, yeah, like, I haven't, I haven't signed myself on for watching the second season, will I? Yeah, Maybe. I, uh, at this point, it's almost like a train wreck that I just can't quite look away from. Okay, I, I I
1: do understand that, and, okay, admittedly, there are some movies, uh, in the medieval fantasy genre that I've watched that are very much train wrecks that I can't look away from. Mm-hmm. And, like, what I was saying that I've seen worse, and I'm sure you've seen these movies too, you know, it's like Rings of Power, I mean, it's not like that's, uh, uh what was it? It's not like Rings of Power is, uh uh Uve balls uh in the name of the king movie <laughs> with Jason Statham. I mean that was bad. It was still enjoyable ish,
0: but oh that was bad.
1: Rings of Power is worlds ahead of that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's like like 100%, there's a lot of production value to the Rings of Power. Yeah. Um
1: Sorry, I'm making a face. I didn't mean to... Oh, no, you're good. You say production value, and then the uh, armor nut in me is cringing because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of production value, but at the same time, whereas the armor looks generally pretty good in the Lord of the Rings movies, for as big of a budget as Rings of Power is, oh, um, there's some very clear,
0: like... uh, screen-printed scale mail shirts yes exactly <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And that's it's very yeah. visible too yeah on yeah. main
1: characters too or main supporting characters not just like extras in the background i mean it's very visible
0: yeah i yeah no i was like scale mail doesn't wrinkle I <laughs> no no it does not who shot this who okayed the shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it the armor quality and, and, and that's something that gets me, because, so, even adjusted for inflation, the budget for the first season of The Rings of Power is bigger, I believe, than all three of the Peter Jackson movies, like, the original Peter Jackson movies combined.
1: That is insane.
0: How? And, like, they're, like the the scale is not, the, like, it's a much smaller scale, generally speaking. Yeah. Like, there's not these huge battlefields, there's not as many, um, like, they didn't have to sculpt... Um, gondor mm-hmm. uh you know like where did all the money go
1: <laughs> i know where the uh and the actors and actresses i mean they didn't they had, they had some good names in there but i mean we're not talking about like a-list celebrities who cost millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah it's
0: not like they paid for rdj yeah. <laughs> like uh like yeah i don't i don't understand where all the money went um Certainly but, not in the armor. No, it wasn't. It wasn't in the armor. It was. It was in paying the interns to it was in paying people to scan through the appendices yeah. looking for, uh, for names they could use out of context. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for all that work on lore, to just completely toss lore out the window. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: You know, one thing. One thing that is in no way. Well, one thing. Another thing that is in no way in the lore that I really enjoyed was um, Galadriel's accidental friendship with Sauron. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, That was, that was a really cool bit of conflict that, that I thought was real neat and was very on, um, very on brand for Tolkien Mm -hmm. because he enjoyed his tragedies. Yeah. Uh, And, and I thought that was very much in the spirit and very well done. Minus the fact that it was encompassed, you know in in other large inaccuracies but it was very it was it was a really cool idea i have to give them props uh for that uh for that bit
1: And it is interesting seeing the dark lord having um a little bit of humanity there a little bit not you know completely genocidal madman yet. right cuz i think didn't tolkien even say something about um uh, not everyone's you know born evil; it's right. created.
0: And so, and that's and that's something that I think a lot of people like kind of miss about what about about LOTR and in, in Middle Earth in general is everybody's like, oh, the elves are arrayed against the forces of darkness; they're all good. No, there were there were evil elves. Mm-hmm. Like like there were there were elves that did objectively horrible things. Uh, there were men who did objectively horrible things. There was um somebody somebody that I think will probably wind up eventually seeing in the Rings of Power the King of Rune, hmm. um was actually so evil it was said that that Sauron was actually kind of afraid of it. So like they're like just because you're not quote unquote uh, an orc a goblin or you know one of the a Balrog or an evil mire or whatever, uh. It, doesn't mean that you're not that you're not evil and in in the stories in the the books after the fall of Morgoth the 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 Vala um, actually gave Sauron a chance to 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 turn to to make good basically Mm -hmm. and you know he repented of his evil and it it's generally inferred that he was sincere in his desire to turn away from from evil but they, kind of the condition, like, like what they, what the, the, the deal they offered him basically was come back to Valinor to the Undying Lands and get your, get your life together. And he was afraid, in fear of returning to the Undying Lands and basically being imprisoned and facing reprisal, he stayed in Middle-earth and eventually went back to his old way um so even even sauron the 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 big bad of of lotr mm-hmm. kind of you know like he had some goodness in him and his argument in the rings of power that you know he was like galadriel come with me you'll balance out my darkness like that's that's pretty toxic don't do that but right but like honestly i could see i could see the character his character believing that mm-hmm. like like i could see that being an honest effort on. Him. Well, let, let me ask
1: you something in a similar vein. Um, what did you think about the uh, Uruk and Rings of Power? And you have that one decidedly uh, dark elf leader of him. I forget his name. Um, but he's trying to make them a home. You know, they're bad guys. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you can tell he has an immense compassion for his people. Even when Galadriel and others are calling them orts, he looks genuinely hurt and offended, mm-hmm. correcting them by saying Uruk we that's what we call ourselves, we're Uruk. Almost like Orc is a derogatory term that,
0: you know, on some level hurts. Yeah. And so that was that was an interesting bit of storyline. So if you're the uh and, and that in in a way is lore friendly, um, because uh orcs so Tolkien Tolkien was a great lover of um what we would generally consider Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. And the in in that greater mythology, there are two types of elves: there's light elves and dark elves. Light elves are literally light, uh, you know, they, they basically glow. And then dark elves are the opposite; they're basically shadow, um, very dark skinned. And so we see that we see this duality translated into the Lord of the Rings, where elves are generally you know pale, and orcs are gener- or to 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 a, to a, a man dark skinned. Hmm. Um, and the the original the original orcs were just elves that were lured in, corrupted, and you know he he was not dark skinned like like orcs generally are, um, but he definitely was had that kind of twisted look about him. Mm-hmm. And the thing that a lot of people forget is that not that orcs while generally themselves are evil or inclined to evil, just because of the, the magical corruption and and torture and so on. that's that's prevalent for, for, for their kind, you know, they are all essentially slaves, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, in one way or another, whether it's just through the mind or, or, you know, actually being whipped into submission or whatever. Um, you know, it uh, the the idea that that one of the original orcs could have re- like actually tried to rebel and and, and, and lead a, uh, his own section of orcs, his own clan of orcs to a new homeland was was a really cool idea. Yeah, and you know, it's it, had it not been Mordor, uh, <laughs> you know, or even even if it had been. Which Sauron didn't live in Mordor the entire time. Honestly, had it been an already desolate volcanic Mordor, even that would have been fine. But uh, you know that another one of those excellent things they did, where they put a story between the lines of the broader pre-existing story. Um, you know, I'm actually interested to see how that storyline plays out. Yeah, same. Because even even though even though it's unlikely that. And I mean, and there's there's nothing saying that Sauron was ever stabbed in the back by one of his most trusted lieutenants, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. If I'm not careful, I'll talk myself into watching the second season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh come on, we can just watch the second season and you know just take it for what it is and.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's and I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of the thing is I think that it it holds up pretty well as its own thing as as the adaptation of the the second age that it was built as it fails but i but i think taken outside of that i think it holds up quite well there they have they've announced some new movies coming from warner brothers i've heard a little bit about that yeah um they've not like said what it's going to be about or what they're going to be about uh i don't think they have acquired any new rights. I, I still don't think they have the rights to the Silmarillion or anything like that. Uh, although, if they were able to obtain those rights and want, it would be interesting to see what a direct like movie versus TV series competition uh, mm. would look like between the Rings of Power and Warner Brothers movies. Um,
1: but me- is the fandom going to be more lenient? Or is the fandom so bent on the hate hype train? That they're gonna hate everything that's not Peter Jackson's original trilogy. Well, and
0: that's the question: can can people be reasonable enough to to enjoy the thing? Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, one popular theory that I've seen is that they're going to one one of the movies they're going to make will be basically the War in the North, hmm. which is largely the, uh, the dwarves uh, in the northern mountains and their their struggle. Uh, against um the the northern powers uh because honestly had it not been for them there would have been another sizable army uh that would have contributed to the to the invasion of middle earth that possibly might not have been able they might not have been able to overcome so it's it's a big part of the story uh that that really doesn't get even told that much in the books uh so i'd be interested interested to see what they did with that and then there's, there's actually an anime movie uh, coming soon, I think. Um, it's going to be a uh, set in Rohan, uh, it's like, pre-War of the Rings. Now, didn't they say that, like, Carl Urban
1: is coming back to... Uh, I to believe do one so. of the voices I think a couple
0: others from the movies are coming y- back to do voices. Yeah, I think there is some returning voice talents. Um, I'm not sure... Um, I, I that it's one of those things. Like in in an effort to avoid spoilers, I haven't looked into anything too hard. Gotcha. Um, so I'm not even I'm not even besides the fact that it's set pre LTR and it's set in Rohan, I, I don't know too much about it. And the fact that I it is produced as an anime, mm. <laughs> which is going to be weird. Yeah. But I'm also really excited. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, hey, we're we're shooting a show here, dog. <laughs> We are we are we we're we're over our target time and we're we're running out of time. But uh, yeah, we didn't rant too much. (laughs) This was not a repeat of the Pokemon episode. (laughs) Uh, Did did you watch that episode or listen Uh, to that episode? Have a chance yet? Basically, basically, we were going to talk about Pokemon, and I I got angry and went on a rant for (laughs) thirty minutes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, but that can be really fun. I, I mean, I had a good time. I don't know if anybody else did, but I had a good time. But no, I appreciate you coming uh, and recording. Um I, I, I know, I, I know we ran over what I told you we were gonna do time wise, but hopefully it doesn't put you out too much. But uh, hope to have you on back on the show again uh, love to. in the not so distant future. I know you've got, I know you got some vendory things to do, uh, so it'll be be a bit. But we'll have you back at some point. I don't know what we'll talk about. Maybe maybe Doggo will. Maybe Dog will pick a, pick a topic for us. What do you think about that? Treats. We're talking about treats. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Thanks for watching, guys. This has been Geek for Syl. I'm Billy. That's Lee. Appreciate you. Bye.